Next week, we're going to have a very unique, one-of-a-kind service at the Oasis. Uh, something we've never done before, maybe would never do again, I don't know. But, we'll see. We're going to have a bilingual service next week. Uh, let me tell you what precipitated that. Uh, the pastor of the church in Mexicali uh, has just been so overwhelmed by your generosity in giving that church uh, the funds to be able to put a roof on their building to be able to worship in that he wanted to take the time to come up next Sunday and personally thank us as a church. And so he's bringing his family up. So we got to thinking that why would we want them to be a part of our service and yet them not really understand what's going on? Let's have an interpreter. You're not going to want me to try to speak in Spanish, okay? <laughs> so it's going to be a whole different dynamic. I mean, it's just going to be wonderful. And I hope that if you even have family and friends that would have a hard time understanding what was going on in an English-only service... Maybe invite him to come next Sunday and be a part of our service here at the Oasis. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think it's just going to bring an extra energy and an extra dynamic to our service next week. And uh, it may be a one-of-a-kind service, but we're going to be so glad to welcome uh, them to our church next week. And just get to start to put you know, faces with names and all of that as God continues to knit our hearts together as brothers and sisters in Christ and sort of build this partnership between our church here and that church there. And, of course, our missions team, uh, under the direction of Nathan, is going to be starting to go down and make trips down there and just start to work alongside of them. And so we just never know what God's going to do, but we are excited about it. But I just wanted to let you know about that. So, anyway, we're, we're excited about it already. And just be in prayer for that service next week. I mean, we're going to continue our prayer series uh, next week as well. We're not, we're not going to take a break in that. So we're just going to continue on as business as usual. And so speaking of that, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Luke chapter 18 this morning is where we're going to begin our study on prayer. And uh, this, this message today is really dealing with the foundation of prayer, the very foundation of our prayer life. And as I said, I think that prayer can be such a struggle for most Christians. I think there's a mystery to it. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what prayer is and, and why God calls us to be people of prayer. And so I'm hoping over these next couple of months, as we explore what Jesus teaches us about prayer, and then as we go back to the Old Testament, beginning even in two weeks, going all the way back to Genesis where we look at Abraham interceding for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities on the plain, all the way through the great significant prayers of the Old Testament on into the New Testament. We're going to take a lot of time to talk about prayer because I think the best way for us to learn and grow in our understanding and practice of prayer is to learn about it through the prayers of the Bible and the prayers of the Word of God. And as I've said too, this is not a series just to help us to get to know more about prayer, but to get us practice praying. Uh, it's, it's not going to do us any good as brothers and sisters in Christ to know more about prayer if we're not making prayer more of a, a, a priority in our lives. So follow along with me. I just want to read the first eight verses of Luke chapter 18 and hear what Jesus has to say concerning the subject of prayer. 
Then Jesus told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. There was also a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but later on he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor have regard for people, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will give her justice, or in the end she will wear me out by her unending pleas. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unrighteous judge said. Won't God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus is giving us here the foundation of our prayer life of us staying in communication and communion with God. And Jesus is teaching us that the foundation of our prayer life is really our view, our opinion, our estimate of God. It really comes down to what do I think of God? Which is why at the end of this, Jesus links our prayer life with faith. Because Jesus is basically teaching in this passage, have we given up on God? Have we given up on God? Because if we really believe in Him, if we trust in what the Bible teaches us about Him, if we have confidence in Him, no matter what our life looks like and what the circumstances of our life look like, and whether anything necessarily changes or not, then I will continue to pray and stay in communication with God and come into His presence. But if I begin to have doubts about God, If I begin, like I would even in a human relationship, stop communicating and spending time with someone else, then there may be suspicions that arise about that individual. And all kinds of erroneous thoughts can begin to fill our minds simply because we don't stay in contact with each other. Jesus is saying to us here, the same thing can happen to us spiritually. That the more we distance ourselves from God because we're not talking to God at all, we're not coming to Him at all, the more erroneous thoughts and lies and things about God can begin to fill our minds to the point where we continue to distance ourselves even more and more and more from God because we have stopped believing in Him. We have stopped trusting in Him. We have stopped through, again, Whatever it is in our life that has happened or someone else's, we have stopped placing confidence in Him. Which is why Jesus starts out by saying, men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Let me also back up for just a moment because we're actually going to be starting a series in parables of Jesus in just a couple weeks on Tuesday night. A parable is a story that Jesus would use to illustrate and bring to life spiritual truths. That's what a parable is. It's just a story that Jesus is using to illustrate 
if you will, his teaching of truth. And Jesus here is saying, it is absolutely necessary that at all times, that's what the words should always, pray. That's what Jesus says. In other words, Jesus is not saying that prayer should be optional for a Christian. That that prayer is absolutely necessary and necessary through all of life, at all times, always, in each and every situation of life, I need to grow and learn how to pray. Now, we're going to learn about prayer, obviously, but I want to just take the word pray here today and just mention a few things about it. The word pray here means to turn to God. So Jesus is saying, listen, throughout our life, in each and every situation of life, God wants us to get to the point where we turn to Him. And another meaning of this word pray means to face God. Literally to be face to face with God. Which implies then, if you and I are truly face to face with God, that we then are not looking around at anything or anyone else, but we are being captivated, if you will, by the presence of God, the being of God, and the face of God, and we are facing away from anyone and everything else, and we are facing toward God and looking at Him face to face. We are engaged there. That, that's what prayer is. And, and one of the reasons why that's so important is many times either we're not praying or again, we've come to a place in our life where we're not praying because we've lost our view of God, we've lost our opinion of God, we've lost our estimate of God, and, and we are looking at something else or someone else, and we're not truly turning and facing God. And Jesus here is also coupling or connecting the fact that the reason why it's so important at all times through my life that I turn and face God is because I can lose heart. And this is not just speaking about persevering and enduring through life. He's connecting this with why I'm not going to pray. Because basically, I have given up or given in to erroneous thoughts about God, and I've given up on God. That's what Jesus is saying. And God never wants us to be in a position where we give up on Him through developing some wrong thought about Him based upon circumstances, maybe. Again, in my life or somebody else's life. And, and we all know that this happens, and that's why it's so important that the foundation of prayer be faith, be what we think about God, what we believe about Him. Because again, if we have some kind of erroneous theology or thoughts about God that aren't true, it's going to prevent us from coming to God. Because first of all, we want to think, What's it, what good is it to come to God? What good is it to pray? Why should I pray? Does God even care? All of these things, you know, they'll begin to invade our minds 
and literally take over our minds to where the truth that God has revealed will not be prevalent or prominent anymore in our thought processes, but all of these lies and untruths about God and His character and His nature will fill my mind and it will literally diffuse, if you will, my prayer life. How many of us in here today maybe are in a place in our life where we've given up on God? Because we're not praying about something or someone or a situation anymore because we don't think it really is going to make a difference. And you see, we may say, well, I'm, I'm not really giving up on God. I'm, I'm just giving up on me or I'm giving up on that person or I'm giving up on that situation. No. We need to be reminded that when we come to a place like that, what we really are doing by our actions is saying, God, I don't think I can believe in you anymore. I don't think I can trust you anymore. I, I don't think you really would work or can work. I, I, I don't think I can have confidence in you anymore. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Men ought always to stay in contact and turn to God and face him because it's only as we stay in constant communication with God that, that we're going to have any chance at all of, of remaining in the truth of who God is and knowing who He is and being confident of who He is and believing and trusting in who He is and not preventing these other things from coming in and invading our minds. Now again, let me just quickly, because I know I've already said this, but I think this is important. We do the same things, and the same thing can happen dynamically in our human relationships. That's why the Bible says, obviously, if we, if we value someone, if, if, if someone is of, of worth to us, that relationship, then we're going to seek to communicate with them and stay in fellowship with them and stay in contact with them because we understand that communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. And when, when two people, even human beings, stop spending time together, they stop talking together, they stop communicating, they stop com you know, communing and, and all of that, oh my, all these things can begin to invade both minds. We can start to doubt each other, we'll start to go, wonder what they're thinking, wonder why they did that, wonder why they didn't do that. We start to get suspicious. All of these things begin to invade us, even on a human level. And that's why Jesus is saying, you've got to always pray as a follower of Jesus Christ, and not give up on God, no matter what happens in your life, what happens in somebody else's life, that God worked this way and you thought he should have worked this way, or maybe you thought he shouldn't have done that and he did, and all these things, because Jesus is saying, yes, it is a matter of faith. I have got to get to a point as a Christian where regardless of what happens and what don't, doesn't happen. Regardless of how God works and how he doesn't work, I don't base my trust, my belief, my confidence in him on all those circumstantial things. I base my trust and belief and confidence in him and who I've come to know him to be and in what his word says. That's where my faith has got to rest. So to illustrate this, to sort of juxtapose, if you will, and show a contrast here, Jesus says, I want to tell you a story about this widow and this judge. And what he's going to say to us here is, 
you realize this judge and the way he treated this widow is nothing like God, right? You, you realize he's totally the opposite of God. Even though as Christians sometimes we think that we have to deal with God in prayer just like the widow did. So listen to what Jesus said. He says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. Now there was also a witty widow in that city. And by the way, I think the reason he chose a widow is there was no one more vulnerable, if you will, in Jesus' day. There was no one who needed help. <laughs> More than a widow did, okay? So he's, he's using a great example here. Everyone understands her need. This widow in this city kept coming to the judge saying, give me justice against my adversary, against what or who is opposing me. This word can also speak about all that opposes us, including our spiritual adversary. For a while... He refused, but later on he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor have regard for people. By the way, again, judge is totally the opposite of God. So, God does have regard for people. What's that word mean? It means God has time and energy for people. It means God is willing as God to give us undivided attention. Something the judge was not willing to do with the widow, but something God is always willing to do to us. Do we believe that? See, do I truly believe that God has the time and the energy for me? Do I believe he loves and cares about me And do I believe that if I would go to him and begin to talk to him, that he would give me his undivided attention? See, again, sometimes the reason we don't pray and don't go to God is because we believe that God is a lot like other people. So when we talk to other people and their attention to us is divided, you know, when we're in conversation with them and they're sort of all still on their cell phone looking at it, we're like, well, that's probably the way God is. He probably has very little time and energy and attention for me because I can't find too many people in my life that have that kind of time and energy and attention. Surely God got better things to do than talk to me. And Jesus here is trying to get us to see, no. That's, that, that's a bad thought that's creeped into your head. That's not the way God is at all. And then he goes on to say, yet because the widow keeps on bothering me, I'll give her justice or in the end she'll wear me out. Literally, she'll exhaust me. And yet many Christians, again, treat God through their prayer life and through their life the way they think the widow is the judge. In other words, like a little child or something, I got to wear mommy and daddy down. I just got to bug and bug and bug and bug them until finally... They just say, oh, I'm just tired of hearing. I'll just give you what you want. And many Christians think that's the way I have to be with God, that God is really reluctant to bless me and, and to bring good things into my life. And so I've got to be like that little child that just bugs the heck out of somebody. And finally, I just get to the point where I just don't want to hear it anymore. And so God, hopefully you'll get to the point where you just are tired of me coming and you'll finally give me what you want. And Jesus is like, really? That, that's how you view God? That's a totally unbiblical view 
an estimate, an opinion of God. The Lord says, verse 6, listen, consider, comprehend, learn from what the unrighteous judge says. Why does Jesus say that? Because he's saying, look, the way the judge treated the widow is in no way, there is nothing in the way the judge treated the widow like God would treat you. Do we believe that? Do we trust that? Do we have confidence? Or is that the way we approach God? You see. And many people do. It's like, I'm just going to keep praying about something. Eventually, God will get tired of hearing me pray about it. So he'll just totally, we totally miss then what prayer is about. And we're going to learn throughout these months ahead what prayer really is. But, But let me sort of set the stage for what's coming by at least saying this. And I, this isn't the first time I've said this, but prayer is primarily not about us coming to God and getting God to change the things around me, whether it be the circumstance or anything else. Primarily, God calls us to prayer and to come into His presence and to keep communing and communicating with Him so that He can change us. So that regardless of what the circumstances are, even if God chooses not to change anything around me, God has changed me to be able to then handle and navigate the circumstances much differently instead of changing anything. Now, I'm not saying God won't change things at times. But God primarily wants us to come to Him, turn to Him, and face Him Because he wants us to stay in contact with him so that we will continue to know his heart and who he really is and stop letting all these, again, erroneous thoughts about him creep into our minds that might draw us away from him and having trust, belief, or confidence in him, which is obviously going to prevent us from ever coming back into his presence and asking him about anything or talking to him about anything. Because our belief, our trust, and our confidence in him will be no more. We will have lost it somewhere along the way. And that's why Jesus said, men ought always to pray and never to give up on God. Don't begin to think that God treats us the way the judge treated this poor widow. Then he says in verse 7, won't God give justice to his chosen ones? Won't he uphold and be an advocate for his faithful followers, which is what the words give justice mean? Do you believe God will uphold you in each and every situation in life? That he will be your strong refuge, your support? That's what the Bible teaches. That in each and every situation of life, God will be there undergirding us, underneath of us. At all times. And I love this idea of being an advocate because that even ties in with with what we know the New Testament teaches about Jesus himself and even about the Holy Spirit. We've even just discovered through our study in the Gospel of John on Tuesday night how many times Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate. 
The one who will come along as, alongside of you and help you and even not only be with you, but be in you as God. And Jesus saying, don't you believe that's who your God is? Do you believe that God will uphold you and be your advocate and be your help and support? Again, Jesus isn't promising that anything will necessarily change. And see, this is where the problem comes in. So we as Christians pray, God, change this situation. Change this circumstance. We pray, pray for a few days, nothing happens. We're at a defining moment even then. Are we going to continue to stay in contact with God and talk to Him? Or are we going to conclude even after a little while that, well, I prayed about it for a little while and nothing's changed. And what we're really saying is, I don't know whether I believe in you, God. I don't know whether I trust in you. I don't know whether I can have confidence in you. And God all along is trying to get, no, 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 don't. Don't. Don't stop praying. Because those those erroneous thoughts about me that's now keeping you from coming into my presence and talking to me about anything is going to keep you even further away from me. You're going to start doubting me. You're going to start to have suspicions about me like you never had before. You're going to give up on me as God in your life. We've got to get back to the foundation of prayer. And it always is our view our estimate, our opinion of God. What do we think of God? Who is God to us? And when we keep that in an accurate, biblical, truthful spot, our prayer life will flow. And the communication and the communion will be there. And we might have things happening even in our lives we don't understand. And we might even question, God, God, why have you allowed this? Or why have you not done this? But at the end of the day, we will always revolve back around through our time spent with God to go, but God, because I spend time with you and because I know who you are, I know that even though I don't understand what's going on, I can trust you, God. I can believe in you. I can have confidence in you. And it has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has everything to do with your character, your unchanging nature, and who you've revealed yourself to be. I can trust in your promises, God. Won't God give justice to his faithful followers? The moment we begin to doubt that, that God will not uphold us, that God will not be an advocate for us, it cuts our communication and prayer life off with God. Then Jesus goes on to say this. Won't God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, literally shout in pain, needing assistance? And again, Jesus is contrasting God with the judge. Here's this widow who came day after day shouting in pain that she was in because she was a widow who truly needed assistance. And maybe the one person in her town that could help her blew her off day after day. And Jesus is saying to us, do we think that that's God? That somehow we're in pain and we need help and we call out to God and somehow He doesn't show up? 
Yeah, that's, that's how, and you know why we conclude that? Here's why we conclude that. Because we're basing God's upholding us and care for us and, and helping us on our circumstances changing. And we, we don't see anything happen to that thing around us, then we begin to doubt God. And God may be saying at this moment and in this season of my life, God, Jeff, I want you to trust me more. And so right now, I'm not going to change the circumstance around you, but let me change you and your perspective and your outlook and your mindset. Let me do that. Trust me, Jeff. And at that moment, again, I, I got a defining moment in my spiritual life. Either I begin to trust a God that I don't always understand and I hang in there and I don't give up and I don't give in on all these bad thoughts that creep into my mind and I just hang in there with God and I keep going to God. I keep trusting Him. I keep praying to Him. I keep crying out to Him knowing that it's not in vain. That somehow, if God even isn't changing anything around me, He's changing me through this process of turning and facing Him at this moment. And it even solidifies and begins to strengthen and reinsure what I believe about God. That even when I don't understand what He does or He doesn't do, I know I can trust Him. I know I can believe in Him. I know I can have confidence in Him. That's what Jesus is calling us to here. Which is why He goes on to say, won't God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long to help them? Will he put off or hold off in extending help to those that are crying out needing assistance? Will he be like that judge who just says, well, I'll get around to it. You, you just suffer for a little while longer. And yet, if we're honest, we've all been there. Because we've prayed to God about something. Said, God, give me relief from someone or something. And that never changed. And so we concluded, uh, why do I even pray? It doesn't change anything. And God may be saying, don't you trust me? Don't you believe in me anymore? Don't you have confidence in me anymore that if I choose not to change that, let me change you so that it looks different even though nothing's changed. Paul, God did the same thing with Paul over his thorn in the flesh. And, and I think what God was trying to teach Paul and why Paul even went to him three times is God wants us to even get to the point, and this is where we even see that Paul needed to grow some in his Christian life. Because why would Paul even ask God three times? Because God wanted Paul and us to learn Paul, you could have trusted me the first time you asked me to take that away. And that if I chose not to take that thorn away the first time you asked me, that you should still be able to trust me that I'm giving you at that moment what you need. I am helping you. I am supporting you. I am upholding you. And finally, after the third time, God revealed himself more of why he was doing what he was doing so Paul could see, oh, my grace is sufficient. Oh, okay. Again, Paul's circumstance didn't change. God never took the thorn in his flesh away, but God wanted to show him, but my grace was always there. So I did give you help. I did support you. And that's what God wants all of us to see. He wants us to get to a place 
where we stop basing our theology and our view and our opinion and our thoughts about God and our estimate of God on circumstances and where we start basing it on who we know God to be and what God has revealed himself to be. Here's what Jesus says in verse 8. I tell you, God will give them justice speedily. Again, I love this phrase, give them justice. It means come to our defense, bringing relief. And the word speedily means immediately or very quickly. Now again, here's where we... So we're, we're in the midst of something and there's a terrible situation in my life. I go to God like Paul and say, God, take this away or remove it or change it or something. And nothing happens. And then we know this verse. And this is where even the enemy in our fallen flesh can take the word of God and the truth of God and twist it to where it leads us away from God rather than to God. Because we'll even say to him, but I know that verse where Jesus said, well, God will, God will bring relief immediately. And he hasn't brought me any relief. So I can't trust God anymore. Just stop praying. What good's it do? And Jesus is trying to get us to see it's there. Child, it's always there. My grace is always there. My help is always there. My support is always there. You're basing, meaning us, you're basing from God's perspective who I am and what, based upon what you're going through. It's on who I am at all times. That's why the Bible reminds us he's unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Totally stable character. Total stable nature. I don't have to worry about, is God going to change? Because he never does. And again, maybe because as human beings, we've been in relationships with other human beings where they change towards us. Where at one time there was a closeness and there was a fellowship and all of this. And then they left. And somehow then we again begin to think, that must be the way God is. You know, me and God were like this, and now because I'm having to go through this terrible time in my life, he must not like me anymore, or this must be punishment for something I've done wrong. Or so. And again, all these bad thoughts, all these erroneous, untruthful thoughts about God begin to flood our minds, especially when you and I go through adversity. I think that's why God devoted a whole book in his Bible to something where we see human beings working through this. It's called the book of Job. Because when adversity comes, that's really where our faith is going to be seen. Let me ask you, because I had to ask myself this. Do I still believe that God will come to my defense bringing relief immediately in my life? Jesus said that. That's the words of Jesus. Do I really believe that? Do I trust that? Or do I base the relief of God and the help of God and the support of God 
on things changing that I'm praying for. Rather than God all along may have something right there already in my life that could bring me relief and I'm just not willing to appropriate it or accept it or apply it to my life. And I think that's why then Jesus ends this great passage teaching through this parable on the foundation of prayer with these sobering words and this question. Nevertheless, However, in spite of all I've told you about the character of God and who God is to you at all times, when the Son of Man, Jesus, when I arrive back on earth, when I appear again back on earth and make my presence known back here on earth, will I find faith on earth? By the way, the word faith means discovering something after searching diligently for it. It's like God is like looking around going, are there any people out there who haven't given up on me? Is there anybody out there in the world anymore that truly believes and trusts in me and has confidence? Is there anybody anymore? I'm looking. And I think by the words of Jesus, you sort of read between the lines here that I think what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to find a lot of faith when I come back. I'm not going to find a lot of people who continue to truly trust me and believe in me and have confidence in me anymore. Most people who even confess me have long ago given up on me. And that's why Jesus is saying we've got to always pray. Because just like in our human relationships, if I stop spending time with God, if I stop talking to Him, communicating with Him and communing with Him, if I start to distance myself from Him, the same thing is going to happen between me and God that happens between me and another human being. I'm going to start from a distance trying to figure out what are they thinking and why are they doing what they're doing and all these doubts and suspicions are going to start to fill my mind and I'm going to go into a very negative, dark place. I'm going to start to think things about somebody else that's not even true, but because we're not, we're not with each other anymore, it's going to start happening. And guess what? The same thing happens with us and God. Jesus here is making a very vital and key point about our life with Him. And that is that our faith and and our prayer life just really go hand in hand. Almost like as a circle. That my faith, who I believe God to truly be, is going to fuel my prayer life and sustain my prayer life and maintain my prayer life through each and every situation of life, no matter what it is. And then as I continue to spend time with God, my faith then of who I know God to be is more and more solidified over time. Because I'm not walking away from God. I'm not giving up on God. I'm going to hang in there with God and we're going to work through this together. 
And God, even if I don't understand you, even if I think something you've done or not done is crazy, I'm going to continue to talk to you, God, and meet with you every day. Because God, at the end of it all, I might not understand you, but I know I can trust you. I know I can believe in you. I know that I can have confidence in you. This is the foundation of our prayer life. It's really getting our thoughts in a proper place about God. When our faith is evident, when we are in a place where we trust God, we believe in Him, we have confidence in Him, we'll pray. We'll pray. Let's pray. Father, it is so easy for us as your children to begin to doubt you. We don't understand you. We can't always figure you out. And yet, God, you've never given us any reason not to trust you or believe in you or have confidence in you. You've always been there and you always will be there. And your word has been tested over and over again and always proven true. There's never been a promise, God, that you've ever given a human being that you haven't fulfilled. And yet, God, our fallen human flesh seeks to figure you out before we trust you always. Our spiritual enemy seeks to put doubt and suspicion and lies into our mind about you and your character and your nature. Because if anyone knows how vital and how important our prayer life is to us, it's our spiritual enemy, Satan. It's one of the reasons why he seeks to attack us in our minds about who you are. And even the world in which we live, this system that is anti-God seeks to deliver messages into our minds and hearts that do not align with you at all. So God, we've got to be vigilant. And we've got to continue to saturate our minds with truth and, and be constantly aware of who we think you are and who we know you to be because God, we've seen today more than ever that this is the foundation of even our prayer life, our faith. God, I pray today that if there are some here today who've 
stopped praying long time ago, stopped talking to you about things because, Lord, they sort of gave up on you. That as they prayed, things didn't change and they began to doubt and disbelieve and not trust you anymore, that God, that that would be sparked once again in them today. That they would truly see, God, that you're nothing like this judge. God, you are always there to uphold and bring relief into our lives. And it may not come the way we're looking for it. It may not come the way we want it to be. But God, we've got to trust you that it is always there. Because you promised us it would be there. Are we willing to, to rest and lean and surrender totally on you? And believe in you in spite of circumstances. God, I pray we do. I pray we grow and we get to that place. Help us, Lord, as a people individually and corporately as a church to recommit ourselves to connecting to you in prayer and to seeing, maybe in a, in a way we never have, how valuable prayer is to us. It is absolutely essential. For without prayer, our view, our opinion, our estimate of you will always be diminished and damaged in time. Help us to put you, God, back up where you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.